Welcome to First Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I am a student doctor in my last year of medical school. First Line brings listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness through an osteopathic lens. First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, how to succeed in medical school, and various topics in healthcare, including mental health, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Firstline is hosted by Anchor. Firstline can also be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Castbox, Stitcher, Amazon and Audible, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Castro, Player FM, Podbean, TuneIn, Reason, and iHeartRadio. Starting off with a little update, TrueLearn is still a sponsor of FirstLine, and I'm currently working with TrueLearn to renew my affiliation with them and to continue having them as a sponsor. But please know that the coupon codes and the link for TrueLearn is different, so make sure that you are using the link in the code that's in episode descriptions, which for simplicity is now just one code. It's code FIRSTLINE, one word, F-I-R-S-T-L-I-N-E. To get that discount, you can also use that direct link in any of my episode descriptions or on the Instagram or Facebook page. So now moving on to this week's episode. So previously, talked about unhealthy defense mechanisms, then neurotic defense mechanisms, which both of the more more maladaptive defense mechanisms that someone can have, but I think all of us have had these at one time or another. But today, we are talking about the healthy defense mechanisms. And these are also known as the mature defense mechanisms. So the first one I'll talk about is called anticipation, and this just means that you're planning for future events, setting realistic expectations, and you might worry about things that can cause discomfort in the future. So this one is super common. Most people will have some form of anticipation, whether you have an upcoming exam or presentation or a high stress situation in at work or a difficult conversation you're going to have to have with a family member you're anticipating that things might be hard and so you may worry about it and you might take steps to alleviate some of the less ideal things that can happen in these high-stress situations. So, for that exam, just studying a lot, you're anticipating that the exam is going to be hard and you might have worry about it, and a lot of that worry might be justified because if you weren't a little bit worried about it, you wouldn't study as hard. But sometimes anticipation can get to the point where you are worrying a little bit too much, and that doesn't mean that you have an anxiety disorder. It just means that you might just have anxiety in that situation. 
And anticipation is really just part of goal-directed behavior. So you have a goal in mind, an endpoint, something that you want to obtain, whether that's a good score on your test or a promotion at your job or a better relationship with um, a friend or a family member. And so you are you are doing things in order to achieve that. So that's why this is, yeah, a defense mechanism by being your response to this stressful situation, but you're actually using it to plan out things a little bit better. The next mature defense mechanism is humor, and I think it's one that a lot of people use. So this is really using comedy and humor to really make yourself feel better in a stressful situation. Um, and it's also a distraction. Like like a lot of these, it's a distraction towards any kind of negative emotion that you're feeling. It paints your stressors in a different light, especially if you're able to make fun of what is going on and draw some kind of comedic value from it. I think there is a real purpose for it, and it's actually very therapeutic. So, a lot of people do use humor in order to, again, relieve some stress and anxiety. So, again, I've talked about this in previous episodes, but in case you are listening to this episode before the other ones, defense mechanisms are really your unconscious, automatic responses to situations that your mind uses to at a subconscious level to relieve anxiety and stress and to really protect yourself from any threat of harm to your mind essentially to your mental health so humor is actually considered a mature defense mechanism and one that is a lot healthier than some of the other ones and it's because it really doesn't have any negative consequences to it for the most part and we'll see this with other of the healthy or mature defense mechanisms that they're harmless or even helpful to have humor is one that it can actually be helpful to have um because you're you're using humor to lessen your own discomfort and to avoid certain things that might be distressful and you also have the effect of maybe even making other people laugh and bringing them some entertainment, maybe at your expense, but maybe not, maybe just at the expense of a situation. But I think all things in moderation, too, if you're using humor in very, very serious circumstances that is inappropriate, then you can kind of see how this defense mechanism would play out at being kind of maladaptive. But for the most part, humor is a really great, healthy defense mechanism. It can really help people if you're able to laugh at yourself in your situation, then that shows that you really do have not only healthy defense mechanisms, but healthy coping mechanisms. You can put things in a lighthearted way instead of being too serious about them. The next mature defense mechanism is altruism, and this is exactly what it sounds like. It's providing service to others as a way to cope with different stressors, and this is particularly helpful with resolving feelings of guilt, 
there are little things that upset you and then you feel guilty because you know people have it much worse, then a person feeling that way is more likely to to volunteer and do community service and things like that. Especially if someone has been altruistic to you and someone helped you in a stressful situation, then you might be more inclined to be altruistic yourself. And this is a defense mechanism because some people, when they do help others, they that can serve as a stress relief for them and it can even distract them from things that are more distressing. Sometimes people use altruism to resolve feelings of guilt that they might have. For example, if if someone is doing really well in class or really well in the workplace, they might offer to help a friend at school or at work and help them out in order to decrease their feelings of guilt about enjoying the success that they've had. The world would be very different if it wasn't for altruism, but I think what's important here is that altruism is it's actually usually a defense mechanism. So people are using this in order to help themselves also. So helping others can also help themselves. And I think there are people in the world that really are selfless and practice altruism without that motive. But I think for a lot of us, there is this subconscious desire for altruism to benefit ourselves as well as helping other people. This goes into someone doing a good deed and then posting it on social media that they did a good deed. And some people think for it to actually be a good deed, you have to just do it and then not need to receive recognition for that. So I think that's just an example of altruism as a defense mechanism is perhaps volunteering in order to put it on your resume and talk about it when you're interviewing for jobs or to post about it on social media and say how much you've helped other people. And I actually only have two more healthy defense mechanisms, but I think I'm going to take the rest of the episode to talk a little bit about coping mechanisms as well. But to finish out the healthy or mature defense mechanisms, suppression is pretty similar to one that I talked about that was a neurotic defense mechanism, which was repression, but suppression is a little different. Instead of this being done unconsciously, where you just unconsciously, it's out of your control, you just don't have those memories, suppression actually refers to consciously deciding to decrease your attention on certain things and almost postponing your attention to a later time, kind of telling yourself, I'll worry about that later, uh, which I think a lot, a lot of people experience this for sure. And a lot of times these thoughts that we choose to postpone are anxiety-provoking, stress-provoking thoughts. Like, 
if you have multiple projects to work on and you know that one's due this week and one's due a month from now, then you can certainly suppress your attention towards that project that's due next month. And this is temporary, and it's really a way so that you can instead focus on what is more important. You can see how this is very useful. And then you know that later on, your attention will be returned back to whatever you suppressed because you did consciously decide to shift your attention away from it. The next one is called sublimation. And this also involves shifting your focus away away from something that increases anxiety and stress. So instead of focusing on those stressful things, you you instead shift it towards another activity. And a great example of this is exercising to relieve stress or anger or anxiety, sadness, taking on the emotion by by moving your body, which is a great way to distract yourself. And also, I I feel like as a runner, if I am going through a really stressful situation, I actually run faster because I have, I either have anger or sadness that I can just dig into in order to kind of motivate me to run faster. And I think if anyone uses this defense mechanism, I think that's going to make sense, but I think that might not necessarily make sense for a lot of people. And this doesn't need to be exercise either. I know a lot of people can channel their emotions into doing artwork or writing is a really popular one too. Just doing any other activity is a way to sublimate certain emotions. So now that we've gone through defense mechanisms, both the unhealthy, the neurotic, the healthy defense mechanisms, what do we actually do with this knowledge? So I think one important thing is to be able to recognize which defense mechanisms you use on a daily basis and try to analyze how these defense mechanisms really serve you. I think for the most part, the unhealthy defense mechanisms usually cause more harm than good, and then the mature defense mechanisms usually cause more good than harm. But I think that's really the general trend, even though for each individual it's going to be a little bit different depending on the circumstance. But I think acknowledging which defense mechanisms you're using, analyzing if they're serving you and what effect it has, does it actually decrease your stress? Does it actually decrease the anxiety or the anger that you feel? And really recommend if it's something you're willing to do to see a therapist or a counselor and talk over some of these defense mechanisms that you have and they can help you kind of sort through how to make changes to then influence what your subconscious is doing since all of these defense mechanisms happen subconsciously but we can bring them into conscious awareness by knowing the patterns of how we react and how our subconscious just inherently tries to protect ourselves from different stressors. 
And I think part of this is too to notice what defense mechanisms are used by people in your life, whether that is your boss or your coworkers or your friends or your family members, whoever it is, to be able to recognize someone's behavior or what they're saying as a defense mechanism, I think shifts your perspective into being a little bit more understanding of them, especially if you recognize defense mechanisms in yourself too. I think just knowing that someone is acting a certain way or saying things a certain way in order to reduce their own level of stress and anxiety, and it's done mostly at a subconscious level, so it's not actually them trying to cause issues or create an argument or anything like that. It's something that Maybe they have work to do as well. And I just think that not everyone is perfect with this. I think everyone has defense mechanisms at one time or or another that is a little bit maladaptive. So no one's perfect, but I think everyone has room for growth. And to have a growth mindset is important here that even though these defense mechanisms happen at a subconscious level, you can still work on it and try to maybe shift and pick up more of the healthy defense mechanisms and try to reduce how often you have the more unhealthy defense mechanisms. So I think that's really the big takeaway here. How does this relate to coping strategies? So I think defense mechanisms is what happens at a subconscious level in order to react to a situation, to a stressful environment of any sort. Coping strategies are things that are a little bit more in your conscious awareness. Different strategies that you use in order to help stressors. And even with this, there's adaptive and maladaptive coping mechanisms that can be used too. And adaptive relates to a more constructive type of coping. So this could be seeking support from a friend or family member. It can be problem-focused by trying to confront the the root cause of what is causing stress. Then there's emotion focused. And this is kind of shifting your mindset from seeing a situation as very negative and really seeing the bright side to things and seeing seeing the positives. And that's something that you can consciously decide to to think about. And then there's meaning focused. And this refers more to the, more to mindfulness, but I think this has a lot of overlap with the emotion-focused coping as well, but it's a little bit more spiritual usually, so prayer, meditation can be part of that meaning-focused coping. And I think part of this is also a practice of gratitude that I've talked about in several episodes now. And this adaptive coping can be 
proactive, so you are using these strategies because you know that a stressful situation is coming up. Or they can be reactive, which means that you're already in the midst of a stressor and now you're using coping mechanisms in real time. And so maladaptive coping, again, these are things that you're doing consciously. But maladaptive, this is things that you choose to do but really does more harm than good and might even increase your stress and anxiety in the long term. So this could be using anger to cope or resorting to drug use, alcohol use, or self-harm. I think another one I think of is stress eating. This I would consider to be a maladaptive coping mechanism. Smoking cigarettes when you're stressed. Another one. Everyone will have maladaptive coping to a certain extent where they might be looking for a very short-term fix to their stressor. But when you have this maladaptive coping, a lot of people will have maladaptive coping and then later on reflecting on it, they see that it really didn't help anything. If anything, it probably made it worse. So that is a normal thing that occurs with a lot of people. But the problem with maladaptive coping is when someone continues to use these maladaptive coping mechanisms that they didn't really learn the first time the damage that it causes and because it can often lead to a short-term decrease in stress, then there's a positive feedback loop of encouraging that cycle of behavior. So that's where people start to get substance use disorders and problems with anger management. And I think if you are, and it can also worsen a lot of mental health conditions as well. It can worsen depression, it can worsen anxiety if you have maladaptive coping mechanisms. So in those people that do have maladaptive coping these are the people that definitely need to be in therapy and need to learn more of the adaptive coping that I just talked about, more of the problem-focused and the meaning-focused different techniques so that they don't resort to other things that can cause way more issues down the road. So that's all I had for defense mechanisms and coping strategies. And I'm planning to have another episode soon that incorporates a little bit of topics that I've discussed with defense mechanisms. And I think it'd be really cool to talk about defense mechanisms a little bit more as they relate to personality disorders. And also talk about how they relate to the Enneagram. So, if you are a new listener to First Line and you have not heard my series on personality disorders or the Enneagram, then I highly recommend you go back and listen to those episodes. I'll include what episode numbers they are in the episode description. And then you can be up to date so that you can keep up with my conversation about the 
overlap of all of these really interesting mental health and personality topics. Let me know that you like First Line. If you are listening on Spotify, tap the star to rate the show. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, scroll down and tap to rate or write a review. Thank you so much for your support. You can follow First Line on Instagram at First Line Podcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash First Line Podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode every Monday.